Hello, welcome to Cold Pizza. My name is Rusty. I'm a pastor here at Christ the Lord Church in Dayton, Ohio. This is our weekly podcast where we take the opportunity to squeeze out every last bit we can from the proclamation of God's Word on Sundays. It's our chance to sit down with the preacher and tackle any further questions, applications, or other bits of leftover crust to chew on that didn't make it into the main meal. So, grab a slice and join us this week with Pastor Matt. Hey guys, what's up? Good to have you back up this week after Jeff, although Jeff's up again about this week. But this week it was titled, Keep Your Eyes Forward, from Hebrews eleven thirteen through 16. We're continuing to kind of deal with Abraham in this larger vignette. It was back and forth mm-hmm. here. Yeah, even with other characters missed, uh, like mixed in with it. Uh-huh. Right? Jeff was prepping today, and he's like, and so we're doing Abraham again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you heard me um, you know, on Sunday basically referring to Abraham, but because of the context, yeah, what he, how he's talking about Abraham also applies to how he talked about Sarah and Noah and yeah. and obviously to us. So, you know, I can say leave the land behind and your allegiance there. I can also say leave the allegiance to whatever else you were doing and go build an ark, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Um and take the take the attacks and leave the allegiance to what they think behind in order to take up what God thinks. Yeah. It's going to be really yeah. interesting too as that continues into leave your son behind. Mm-hmm. Right on Sunday with Isaac, so that'll be good. Uh, your main points this week were to uh, greet the promises from afar, to keep your eyes on what's ahead, and to realize that God will not be ashamed of you, mm-hmm. to call you His. So, yeah. I think it is really uh, super helpful and helping frame this broader picture of not just what Abraham had done. Uh, even as you reach back into Noah and, and what they had done, but what were they looking at? What were they actually seizing and holding on to? You use the um, the phrase, faith has such long arms to embrace from afar. Mm-hmm. That, that embracing it by the will component is something that we've been talking about, and even from defining faith. Uh, I think that was really helpful in saying, all right, this is what they've left. This is what they uh, considered. Now look at where they went, what they were going, how they put feet to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think you know it would have been tempting, I think, for a preacher to spend a lot of time talking about the promised city. Okay, um, I, I I don't uh, I didn't listen to any other sermons on this uh, this particular passage, but I could see it being really tempting for uh, a preacher to to want to really herald the celestial city. Oh, well, we, we but, use components of that even in our song choices. Yeah. But that like that's I is it's certainly not the main point. Um because the I mean, the main point for the writers or for the readers of Hebrews at this point is to emulate the faith of these people. Here. Here. So when he describes how their faith, the like the mechanics of faith in this passage, which is what he's doing in the whole chapter, he's describing the mechanics of faith mm-hmm. and how faith interacts with life and content and work and trust and hopefulness and doings. It's not so much on the what the faith is in that's what we've been that's what the first half of hebrews was about was 
in the the work of the priest and the great high priest and so on and so forth. Now he's just showing us what did what does that look like in practice, and he's he's giving us case studies, if you will, to see how their the mechanics of their faith is working out. So in this passage, that that's this I think is actually a unique one uh, to some measure. Um, in the chapter 11, because the other one is like, you know, Noah and, and, and an ark and Abraham and, and a baby. and But this is like um, the promises in general and how they're being interacted with via faith. Um, namely, that they're not all fulfilled now, so how do you... How do you walk with that? And and so that language of greeting them from afar, he's describing the mechanics of, of faith because there's a gap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, There's a gap in its fulfillment, and we live in that tension. That's why I tried to set up with, like, we live in between these two worlds. Yeah, but that's so so crucial because, for me, it feels like you said later in, in the middle that he was thinking of himself in terms of where he was headed. Mm. Like, it as as you relate to life what are you oriented towards or around is such a, a a overlooked but crucial question yeah i feel like for me it was really a turning point in my maturity and my faith of leaving you know high school and my young adult years and and thinking of myself in terms to what i had done in my past and and evaluating who i am and even what my future might hold because of you know x y and z versus no what am i what am i headed where are we going what am i and then orienting my life thinking of myself in terms of that that promise that i that i can achieve and, and pursue uh and and obediently embrace you know mm-hmm. that's that's a really big deal and it is a tension in some senses but it's it's the right freedom and all the rest yeah 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 absolutely yeah so, if 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 you don't l- um, it, it comes back to the you're driving down the road and you're taught right don't you know where you look to you will swerve towards oh yeah right and I remember that you know the car's coming at you you should look at the uh, the shoulder white line right mm-hmm. and just but I mean but even there you can't stare at it mm-hmm. you gotta keep your head forward and but just put your eyes just kind of down a little bit um, so that at least the road stays and even the lights stay in your peripheral. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think that's just that, that metaphor just stands here too. Like if you put your eyes backwards, then you're, uh, you're going to walk that direction and you'll, you'll be, cause, and then it, it will define who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you picked up on that, but I said in my sermon, uh, my fear is that some of you feel like you're walking forward, but it's because you've turned your body 180 degrees. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I have in mind there someone who um, has kind of, uh, what do I want to say, just kind of given themselves all over to something that is from the world behind. But, but they've become so um, numb to it or blind to it. In that sense, they've, they've, they've taken their whole body and turned it around. Yeah. And I don't think there's, I don't know there's anybody in, in our church that's 
is doing that in their totality. I mean, those are probably the ones that have been excommunicated, <laughs> but the the ones. But I think for for our people, there's there's there could be that area in your life where you've like you it started with a glance, and then you became numb to that glance, or you seared your conscience. And once your conscience got seared, now your body just turned all the way around. Well, now the tension's gone. Mm-hmm. So that's what I like when you're glancing back. The you got the the neck tension, right? Yeah. You know, you're like, man, if I turn too much more, I'm going to get a cramp, right? Mm-hmm. And you feel that tension. Well, there's that conviction, mm-hmm. and the Lord's like, hang on, no, 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 don't do don't do that. Yeah. Well, then instead of turning your head back to the land at which we're co- we're headed towards, and letting it define us. You you make your body adjust, or you make your and to 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 connect it with the metaphor. You use your conscience to adjust, mm-hmm. and 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 then you shift 180 degrees, and now you're walking back the other direction. But you but here's the kicker, and this is this is why I said I think it's a danger, because you feel better. Mm-hmm. You feel better in that moment because the tension's gone. Yeah. But it's not because you're living in righteousness. It's because you've become numb to unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. So as I, you can't just base it upon, well, you know, do I feel convicted? Um, you know, so. Yeah. yeah, that's it's one of the weird things about both leading people and counseling them in, in both settings is like, can't you tell something's wrong? Like, <laughs> don't you don't you know? Can't you see? Can't you feel like something's not right? And they're just <sighs> oblivious to it. Oh man. Now I see it time and time again. Like we're clicking away. We're clicking away. We're we're making progress and then, then they'll make a boneheaded decision. And they just don't see it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hang on, hang on a sec hang on a second. It was these kind of decisions that's got you in the mess that landed you in my office. Yeah. Why why haven't like they why you just can't see that one leads to another? Yeah. Yeah. It's just like we should open up our. We went out to lunch yesterday uh, to Roosters because I live there now. And uh, the girls have the connect the dots thing. And I'm like, we should just open counseling with that. Like, this is just a just a test, real quick. Just, you know, we don't do Rorschachs anymore. It's, I don't care what you feel like. I just want to see how this is going to go. Can you connect these dots for me? It's a chicken. Okay. <laughs> I'll even tell you what the end result is. <laughs> wow, that looks like a cow. Not yep. what I was going for. Yep. You, need to, you need to go down the how, hall to how, Pastor Jeff's, and he'll take care of you. <laughs> how did you get there? <laughs> no, no, it's so true. Well, it's I, so true. To jump kind of our our uh, kind of outline here, that, that really does take you straight to that nearsighted, he's blind thing. Yeah. I mean, because we had just gone through Judges, Joshua and Judges that morning, yesterday morning, and... Um, uh, two verses here. Uh, Judges 2.10 is kind of summarizing this transition and what's happened after the death of Joshua. It says, And there arose another generation after them. This is the generation after the ones who saw their parents die in the wilderness. They take the land, and they did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. And that is, first of all, astounding. I mean, to think of like people here, right? We're like, we have loose understandings of World War II almost universally throughout our culture, right? Mm-hmm. Loose. Because everybody's a Nazi, right? So they, they got that that much, right? There's even some still semblance of understanding of like the Revolutionary War, right? Sort of. Much less, but sort of. 
this is that's multiple generations, right? World War Two is like two, three generations now. We're talking one generation. That's our parents. And so for a lot of these people, that's like even the two towers, you know? Yeah. And so for one generation after, and why? What how how's he how's he say that this kind of comes about? What are these type of people like? You see that a few verses later in uh, chapter two, verse seventeen, it says Yet they did not listen to their judges. These judges are the ones who saved them nine times in a row. They did not listen to them because, for, they whored after other gods and bowed down to them. They soon turned aside from the way in which their fathers had walked, who had obeyed the commandments of the Lord, and they did not do so. Mm. Like, this blindness, when we talk about being nearsighted, it's that kind of, and he says it, they whored after other gods. Yeah. They gave themselves over completely to them. Yeah. Well, and how, how does that happen? Uh, that whole, um, they, they gave themselves to other gods, they, or they hoard after other gods and bowed down to them. That happens when we don't do Second Peter 1. Mm-hmm. When we don't add to our faith virtue, yep. uh, moral excellence. When we don't add to our faith knowledge mm-hmm. and self-control. And steadfastness and godliness, brotherly affection, love. And instead, they turn aside from those. We turn aside from those things and add to, you know, add to our faith critical theory, uh-huh. or we add to our faith gay affirming, or we add to our faith um, immodesty, mm-hmm. or we add to our faith greed, or we add to our faith keeping up with the Joneses, mm-hmm. or, or we add to our faith. Gossip. Gossip. Pride. Uh, pride. We add to our faith. Um, uh, ah, you get the point. Mm-hmm. Like any of those things that the world is feeding us right now, and we are whoring after them, mm-hmm. and we can lose everything in just a generation. Mm-hmm. And you, you see that. And so I think then when we're like instructing our kids, we have to instruct our kids both what it means to follow the Lord, but what it means to follow the Lord is to realize you could stop following the Lord. One generation later. One generation later. Like you need to tell, you don't need to just tell your kids to follow the Lord, but tell your kids they may not follow the Lord and they need to tell their kids that they, they may not follow the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that they, that has to keep going. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like that picture of that nearsightedness from, from Peter and, um, here in Hebrews is is um, so helpful and and I but it's so helpful because it's not it's not even just like those people this is us us this is us this is where yeah, James makes the same warning He's, uh, you see yourself and then you forget your reflection yeah I, I was at lunch today with someone and we were just talking about man a, a lot of our um, he actually brought this up uh, and I agree with him like a lot of our people lack joy mm-hmm they just they don't live in joy. And this is one of the main reasons why. Mm. They're too nearsighted. A lot of our people are too nearsighted. They, they're they not greeting God's promises from afar. Mm-hmm. So, And how do I know? Because they live like there's no promises. Yeah. Or they're depressed like there's no promises. Or they're discouraged like, when are they going to happen? Mm-hmm. Well, it's because you're, you've not reached out your hand and, and, and shook the God's promises from afar. Mm-hmm. You're too nearsighted. And then why? And then back again, back to, first, back to Peter. Why are they nearsighted? Because they're not giving themselves to adding to their faith virtue 
knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness. And like I said in my sermon, and I, I wanted to belabor this and be a smart aleck about it, but like, it's just, it's not hard. Yeah, man, there's this, this picture that came to my video idea for me when you're describing that. It's like I, I see people who are, are less mature in their faith, and they are just absolutely stunned and confused by people whose confidence is rightly in the Lord. They just can't see it. And it's this picture of like two people standing across from each other in water, and the person who's freaking out is on like one paver stone of of space one on land and then they're like they're on solid ground but man there's nowhere to step there's nowhere to go but they're they're there and they're looking at you as if you're like knee deep in the water but from your actual perspective if they could see you with your eyes because you've added to your one paver stone another paver stone of more virtue and more character and understanding and knowledge of God and you've been through this experience with with the Lord and you've been through this experience with the Lord you can see around you like you've got like 50 you're fine and this other person can't see them because he doesn't know them yeah and it's really challenging uh that's the that's the real state of affairs and so when you see someone who's confident in the Lord you can't see everything that they're standing on yeah yeah and and Man, again, just to capitalize on it, the concept's not hard. Mm-hmm. What's hard is to keep your hand to the plow. Mm-hmm. And don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Don't stray away. Don't don't give up. Don't um, don't get lazy. Don't get distracted. That I mean, that's what's hard. But conceptually... I have the humility you know, to recognize that you're only on one, pa- one paper. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And then, and then recognize, I think the gift is that God's not made it this big, complex, mysterious. It's not. Like, oh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to beg for faith. 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 But listen, God gives lasting faith mm-hmm. to those who supplement it with virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. For his name's sake. What, what's he saying? Those who know the word and grow know it increasingly. Those who exercise discipline and self-control. Those who don't stop doing it. Mm-hmm. And they all do it with a, with a good church. Mm-hmm. Not the sissy ones down the road. Mm-hmm. They do it with a good church. Those are the people who have growing and lasting, joyful faith. Mm-hmm. Those are it. It's, yeah. it. And God is happy to call us his God. Call us our God. Uh, yeah, our God. There we go. Yeah. Call us his. No, that's entirely <laughs> everything that we've been talking about in OT since, since Exodus, right? He calls the Israelites out as his people. He institutes them as a nation, his nation. When uh, all the other cultures of the earth see Israel, they're supposed to see Yahweh. Yeah. Like, it's supposed to be synonymous. Yep. So when people see us, they're supposed to see God. They're yeah, supposed to see we, Jesus Christ. They're supposed to stick out like and sore thumbs. And he's supposed to be up there with his foam finger and be like, yeah, I am number one. And yeah. they're, they're mine. Yeah. You know? Now, just remember, so his goal and his desires that we would stick out like sore thumbs, mm-hmm. do not equate that to stick out like sore thumbs and be liked. <laughs> 
as I think ev- evangelicalism has has thought that is the end goal that or that we are do, we are sticking out well yeah. when we are the salt of the earth and everyone enjoys our saltiness, mm-hmm. right? Not everyone enjoy, enjoys our saltiness, mm-hmm. right? Because to those who are perishing, right, the, the gospel is foolishness, yeah. and, and and rejoice when they slander you like this. this so yes. they may, they may not. Salt in an open wound is uh, not exactly uh, uh, likable. No, it's not. It's effective though. So yeah, when we think about joy and we think about this uh, bridging this gap of of joy and hope. Uh, yeah, that's more from this idea of of the futureness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I wanted to kind of uh, just say a couple more words here about the idea of faith. Um, if I'm assessing the kind of landscape of CTL people and 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 beyond correctly, I think we think of faith only in terms of hopefulness of something future and it is certainly that but i think it's more than that there's at least other parts of the puzzle that are necessary parts of the puzzle so i think we we tend to think of you know i've talked about this already in 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 hebrews that there's two sides of the coin there's the faith is like a confidence in a hopefulness in a grasping a standing upon so on and so forth Upon what, grasping what, standing on what, like hoping in what, and that's the content of. So there's two sides of the same coin. But I think that's where we stop. And when we think about faith, the equation of faith is is just that, which which I would say, yes, faith itself is just that, but faith doesn't stop just there. So faith itself... Um, is a hopefulness in something, and there has to be the object of that or the content of. But then there's another thing that when those two things lock arms as they have to, then there is a the mechanics of like it necessarily engages the next gear, and that is the doing. So... Abraham, or so back to, I think Noah is a great example, a, a more clear illustration. Um, I have faith in God. I have faith in God that he will save us. I have faith in God that he will save us through this boat when judgment comes. So you just heard me describe, I have faith. That's the one side of the coin. I have faith in what? I have faith in salvation by God's terms and his grace and mercy through this boat. I have faith that he will save me through this building of this boat, but I have to go build the boat, right? And then there comes the, if that faith is genuine, if, if he has genuine eyes looking forward, and genuine faith, then he goes and builds the boat. And I think in our modern Christian culture, we've disconnected faith. I think we're so afraid that uh, building the boat 
um, is going to make me into a legalist. Mm-hmm. Or it's going to make me feel like I'm earning my salvation. Yeah. Well, listen, if, if you're there with Noah and, and, and Noah thinks, all right, man, you know what? Building this boat's going to save me. Anti-awesome. You know what someone should do? Should smack him in the face. <laughs> like, you're stupid. God gave you the idea. God gives you the strength. God's the one that's going to shut the door. God's the one that's going to send the rain. God's the one that promised all this. Yes, you're physically doing it, but you're only doing it. Why? Because you trust the Lord. Mm-hmm. You only do it. Why? Because you believed he said that's the way. Yeah. So so then to put it like, say, in the context of, um, of marriage, God desires that we'd have a wonderful marriage that displays the glory and beauty of Christ in relationship to the church. And he has said, if you do this, 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 and this, and this, it will display my glory. Mm-hmm. Well, I think what we do is we just like, we disconnect faith from that. We go, all right, I got my faith in Jesus. That's my ticket to heaven. And now I guess since I have that as a good person, I should probably go and do this. But but no, that, that faith in God's saving grace in part's going to come as you build that godly marriage. Mm-hmm. That's that's part of your hammer swing. You're part of your arc. And I'm not saying that that your marriage saves you, but I'm I'm saying it's a part of working out Absolutely. your salvation. Absolutely. It was it's not it's not one hammer swing that saved Noah. It was it was God's provision of the ark that saved Noah. But he had to swing one hammer at a time. And God gets all the credit because it was it was all of his. It was his idea. So that marriage that you're working on, that's going to be a part of you working out your salvation, is God's hammer swing for you each and every day. Mm-hmm. It is a part of what will help keep you mm-hmm. and part of what will help destroy you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I, we, we've got to stop like thinking so compartmentalized here to an unhealthy extent. <laughs> Taking the Lord's instructions and calling him a legalist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, yeah. it's like him saying, "Hey, you're going to be my people," to the to the Israelites after they left Egypt, and saying, "Oh, and by the way, here's how you do it right." And everyone being like, "Ah," you know, that guy in the back is like Pharisee. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds, sounds a little domineering. Jesus sounds a little legalistic. God, if you <laughs> if you fire God, you know? oh, there's a little too much power dynamics there. Uh-huh. God. Yeah, so we I, just well, hang on, hang on, hang on. It's just faith. It's just just faith. Uh, and by faith, I, I mean it's it's just my like internal feeling about what like what you're saying. Yep. I you, you didn't actually say anything about walking through the Red Sea. Come on, come on, hang on. Yeah, it's not like uh, Rackshack and Benny actually had to go into the fire. I mean, yeah, we we don't yeah. actually have to go across the river, right? Can't we just stay out here with the other two and a half guys? <laughs> Yes, you can, apparently. <laughs> yeah. I, I've been told that. I've been told that. Yeah, that's just fun stuff. Well, that... Uh, <laughs> sorry, I love the Old Testament. That's the fun stuff. That's uh, that's where we're heading, is is you're, you're leaving a land and you're not looking behind. You have your eyes to the future, to what God has called you to. Yes, it is a celestial city, but hey... There's a lot of steps between here and there. Yeah, that's there's right. Lot, there's a lot to, to do between now and then. So we want to keep our eyes forward and greet those promises from afar, but recognize that what we do in the meantime is for the kingdom of God 
and a faithful life in that way, God will not be ashamed to call you his. That, that is yeah. absolutely stunning. Absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what we need to be pointed around. Well, thank you for bringing the word this week. Uh, hey, man, my pleasure. We're looking forward to continuing in the life of Abraham uh, with Pastor Jeff this week. But with that, we want to encourage you, as always, to go know, love, and obey Jesus as Lord overall. We will see you next week. See you guys. Thank you.